And the podcast will begin in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Ladies and gentlemen, great pleasure, great honor. Big round of applause. Mr. Drew Hester. Finally, good to have you here. Thank you for having me, bud. Of course, uh, shout out to Jonathan Delapaz for making this happen. Thank you, Jonathan. I know, right? I mean, yes. there's. I see. I I sense the reluctance when you said thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know whether to look at him since I he's know. sitting right behind me. He's like, do I look at Jonathan or not? No. Okay. So, Drew, um, no script, no nothing. We'll talk about everything we, you want to talk about, but most importantly, let's go to the. Meats and potatoes. What have you done for this industry that makes you so inspirational? Are you an attorney? <laughs> are you a basketball player? Are you what are you? An easy, quick question. Um, what makes me inspirational? Gosh, it's a good question. Right? I don't know. Yeah. You know what? I would. I guess I would say. I hope. Because since I'm a drummer and I'm in a band that, you know, music has changed some people's lives for the better. And maybe they went to a concert and, who knows, got married, decided mm. to, heard a song, heard some lyrics and decided to change something. And that's the part of music, you know, um, strictly in that lane. And then other things, yeah, it's been cool to be able to travel the world and meet people and talk to people and hear uh, different lanes of uh, information and stuff that you know you might think is you wouldn't talk about in the u.s or whatever you know so i mean i just to be able to have information and all that stuff um i think it makes me a better person and uh helps me talk to other people in a more informed way i don't know you know what i don't know if that was inspirational though. it was because <laughs> you being here i yeah. kid you not no bs you being here and everybody in this room will attest to this is an inspiration in and of itself ah well because you didn't have to be here. But ah, well, here you're you too are. nice. You're too so nice. That, that to me, by the way, is wow. And I'm pretty sure people are rereading the description. <laughs> because it really, I mean, your, your resume, the people you've been surrounded with, and um, your demeanor, it, it doesn't reflect what you've accomplished. Yeah, well, thank you. I don't, you know what's weird is, yeah, I agree. I, I do not like the limelight. I think I always wanted to be a drummer because you're wrapped around something. People aren't really looking at you in the back row, you know, guitar, bass player, singer, all those people are in the front row. They're next to the audience. You're in the back. Not a lot of people looking at you, hopefully. That's the way I always felt. I, and so I am, uh, I like that. Uh, security of not being seen <laughs> and I think I've taken that with me my whole career because I love coming off stage and uh, you know walking past and nobody's really the lead singer is like autograph picture guitar play and me just like straight to the bus nobody's calling my name sometimes it's nice don't get me wrong who doesn't want to be asked for the autograph but you know what I'm saying I, I've, I've always enjoyed like hey I'm cool we're good I love playing music with all the people I've played with. I'm honored and will treasure that the rest of my life. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, I, I like being low-key, humble. I think that just keeps your life simple. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm actually, uh, 
uh, teary-eyed because while you were talking, while you were saying those stuff in my head, I'm like, and he has a Grammy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like something that all of us can only <laughs> can only pray for and wish for, <laughs> and here you are, humble and all, and I'm like, this gentleman has a. Grammy. How many do you have? No, just two. We're <laughs> the, the Foo Fighters. Just two. Let's talk about the Foo Fighters. Mr. Uh, Solo on the Triangle. Yes. How did that gig happen? Well, Taylor, the drummer, uh, we've known each other since like first grade. We grew up next to each other and uh, literally on the same street. He was maybe 10 houses down from me. Um, and so we both played drums. Uh, and he was a monster like right out of the gate. He's four years younger than I am, mm. um, but uh, so wait, two drum sets in one neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, we could hear each other. So, but right, I always like soft rock, so I listen to like you know, Steely Dan. To, yeah, yeah, Steely <laughs> Dan, um, even Fleetwood Mac. You know, like uh, I love Toto. Mm. I love Bob Marley. I love reggae oh. music. Really love reggae music. Um, I love like Christopher Cross. Yes, all that Taylor. stuff. Just the real pop stuff. Yeah, I was huge. And Taylor loved like you know. Van Halen, Police, Queen, Rush, a little more hard rock stuff. Um, and so he would always be playing that. I'd always be playing like, you know, <laughs> like Toto. Did you guys go to the same school? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went to the same school. So, um, but yeah. So he was just, that's how we knew each other. And then um, I had played percussion pretty much on almost every album, uh, like starting at uh, the One by One album. Uh -huh. So um, I played a little bit of percussion on there. Um, and that, I'm not listed on every album, but I played on a lot of records, but I didn't really care. Those guys are the best in the world. And did you produce did anything not. for them? No, no, no. no. Um, I mixed some stuff, but I, I produced uh, Taylor's first solo album and kind of helped on the second one. But um, yeah, so wow. they just called and Dave said in whatever year that was, we'd all known each other and I'd played some percussion on the record. Wait, don't, 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 um, don't, don't cookie cutter the whole, the whole story. <laughs> I wanna, I okay. The reason why I'm I'm interested is because we were um, that relationship you had with Taylor, and you had no idea where Taylor was was going to go to, right? But no, but friendship is where it starts. That's your yeah. that's your first. Yeah, I, I bypassed that whole scenario where he died. Literally, I know, you know. Um, so they restarted him two or three times, you know, uh, in that period of six weeks. I'm gonna get emotional. Um. So yeah, we we were friends growing up, and then we didn't see each other for a long time. Both of us graduated high school. You know, I was four years older. We went our separate ways, and then I would see him in Orange County every so often. And then he told me one day that he was auditioning for uh, this new girl out of Canada, Alanis Morissette. Oh, he was yeah. he was working at the at the record store there, at the music store, and I would stop in and say hi. And so he was going to the audition that night. Got the gig. It was great. Didn't, we and Alanis was still up and coming, or yeah, Jagged Bill. Yeah, she was nobody. She okay. was no, she was just she was in Canada, and okay. she was just the record hadn't even come out yet. So he auditioned for her and got that, and then the record came out. Jagged Boom, Little Pill. Yeah. Um, so then I was in Burbank driving one day. This is maybe a long time after that he had been in the Foo Fighters now, and we still weren't we weren't really talking that much. And well, you guys were not neighbors anymore. No, anymore. weren't neighbors. He had moved to L.A. I'd moved mm -hmm. to L.A., but totally different lives. And uh, I'm driving my car down the street, and this guy jumps in front, like, runs across <laughs> the street. I'm like, oh! I stopped. I'm like, 
it was Taylor. I'm like, what the? What are you doing, dude? He's like, Drew, oh, my gosh. So we hadn't seen each other in six, seven years probably. So maybe longer. And so we talked, changed numbers, started hanging out. Um, and then he was he was with the Foo. He was with the Foo Fighters. And then he had the episode where he, he, well, yeah, he OD'd in, in, yeah. in London. And uh, he came back home and he called me and said, hey, look, I need a sober friend. I, I want to hang out. Every day I want to hang out. I'm like, let's do it. Did you become his accountability buddy? Yeah, uh, I don't know about that, but I, I don't like to talk too much sobriety stuff, but I was his friend that was okay. sober. So we literally hung out every day for like a couple of years. Like, were no you, were and you, I, I wasn't with, I, I didn't have a wife I was or ask, anything. Yeah, no, I was okay. single and we were both single and we just made music every day and all these different people would come to his house and we'd make music and record stuff. And so in it. other words, this was like rekindling childhood friendship. Yeah, yeah. And he really just wanted to write and I'm an engineer, so like I can record all this, you know. And so it was, it was really cool. And uh, that's how it happened. And then when they wanted to, Dave wanted to do an acoustic tour, they it came up that hey, why don't you come play some percussion? Um, you played pr some percussion on the albums already. And and what uh, was it like being invited to play percussions on the album? By this time, Foo Fighters was Foo Fighters was more or less the number one rock band already. So. Yeah, I never, you know, I never think about it like I just don't. They're my friends, and I said, like, if you said, hey, Drew, yeah. come over here and play some something, I'm like, sure, I'll be over in a second. You guys heard it's that, the, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Drew already played on the drum kit, so we'll see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. I need more practice. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I just, um, at first, I didn't really want to do it, tell you the truth. I told really? Taylor that I was like, hey, I didn't understand what it was. Because I'm like, dude, I don't know if you need a percussionist in the Foo Fighters. Like, it's like, no, 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 no. Like, what do I do? Like, shake tambourine in the background? Like, he's like, no, no, it's going to be unplugged. And so I said, I, I would be cool. Could I play, like, like vibraphone, like, play a chordal instrument yeah. and, like, a timpani and, like, some toms and, like, some cool stuff? He's like, of course. Huh. So they were so supportive. Dave was supportive. All of them were. They're just, I can't say enough about how good those guys are. But we, that's what it was. So I played vibraphone, timpani a floor tom and then just some hand percussion and just played kind of drums vibraphone thing and it was it was amazing it was so what was time. what was it like playing with two other drummers uh well you know taylor's got the worst of it i mean he's in that band <laughs> playing for dave it's just just i can't imagine and he's 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 the i i swear i think he's the only guy in the world that can do it because i could never i could never take the pressure of doing that yeah and taylor's good enough you know that i don't know he, he can he knows how to deal with it and he can do things that uh, we always talk about this i talked to taylor the other day about you know him and dave are just different drummers dave yeah. much more like dave's more of a like just kind of square guy goom, 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 yeah goom, goom, goom. and taylor's much more roundish and kind of like you know swings a little bit and like flamboyant like, also yeah, yeah and just just different mm -hmm. um but they're both amazing um and it was both just to to be near them and watch what they do and watch Taylor, uh, watch Dave get on drums sometimes at soundcheck and come up with ideas and see how his brain works. Um, Cause he's very, he's very like a songwriter. He really writes parts, you know, for drums. Who would tell you what to do? Would it be Dave? Would it be Taylor or none Both. of them? Both. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, you know, never, but, but never in that kind of way, you know? I mean, I guess, yeah, Dave probably said, don't do that. I was like, okay. One time I played two tambourines because I thought it was <laughs> wasn't loud enough, and Dave looked over and he's like, "Put the other tambourine down." <laughs> I'm like, sorry, <laughs> like don't ever do that again. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> Whose idea was the the triangle solo? 
I don't really know. Like the time it started off on the first, there's a there's a unplugged thing in, in L.A. Here we did at a show, and the original one was a cowbell solo because that was from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, and so that was that was a big thing. And then <laughs> Dave's like, at one point we were on tour. We've been on tour for like a couple of years, and he's like, "What's the stupidest instrument you could take a solo up there?" I'm like. <laughs> Probably the triangle would be the dumbest, silliest thing I could do. And so he's like, I want you to do a solo on that. I was like, oh, my God. Oh. And so that's it became that, you know? And that People thing, loved it, it. People loved it a lot. Oh, I'm telling you, that thing, it bought me a house. I, I tell people. So, hey, you know, what can I say? That triangle tour. But yeah. Triangle <laughs> But but yeah, was it? but I I'd, I'd love you know the reason why I I brought that out is because like what you said it bought you a house right yeah. and you know what people make fun of the triangle oh yeah and dude I was insecure for a bit I literally was like you know after a while after we had done it for a bit you know I was kind of like oh hey you know I'm a drummer man like I got a gig too you know I'm just not this triangle guy and. Um, <laughs> And I talked to a friend of mine, a bass player, Don Boyette, who played with Michael Jackson. Ooh, and everybody. shout out. Yeah, Don's, love Don. I toured with him with Lisa Marie. But, um, ah, Lisa Marie Presley, yeah, by the way, guys. Yeah, so um, I called him like, oh, I'm just being a little <laughs> weird, you know. I'm like, I just feel like, you know, I'm the guy, the joke <laughs> guy. And he's like, dude, he goes, I'll come, I'll come play that triangle right now, dude. I'll take your spot, no problem. See? I'm out of a gig. I'll be, I'll be there. I will do whatever. And I and it made me refocus. Yeah. Oh, I was like, what are you complaining about? These are like my best friends. They're paying me ridiculous amount of money. I have nothing but fun. But your pride's a little wounded. But then it like all refocused me. Like, no, man, I love what I'm doing. I love playing percussion. I love playing all the stuff we're doing. I love the songs. We're amazing. Um, and it just made it was that moment of like clarity where a good friend can say. What are you doing, man? It's all you're making it all about you, aren't you? I was like, yeah, check yourself, Drew. So I, I like really did. I'm just like reset. Ooh. I was like, I love all you guys. Let's keep going. So, How long were you with the Foo? Uh, 2005 to 2008, end of December 2008. Yeah. And then when you parted ways, what was the reason? Um, they, Dave wanted a break. Okay. Like we had literally gone from 2005, six to straight through, done two albums, tours, back to back. Wow. And Dave was exhausted. And he's like, I want a break. And that's when he went and did the Crooked Vultures yeah. thing. And yeah. they all kind of like, everybody was like, let's do all it, yeah, leave. do their own thing. And literally, that's that was December. We went home for Christmas. And then January, like third or fourth, Tris called for Chicago. Which now, was let's like, talk about that. Because <clears throat> I remember growing up, um, we're practically not far in age. Right. And it's so funny. Like I would. I would write lyrics to to my little girlfriends and actually say you're the meaning in my life. <laughs> you're the inspiration. <laughs> you bring feelings to my life. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> wow, he's so good. <laughs> Imagine in the Philippines, I was like, dear Melissa, you're the meaning in my life. <laughs> he loves me. <laughs> But what was, because you and I practically grew up with Chicago. Oh, yeah. What was it like getting the call for uh, you to dude. do the gig? <laughs> I don't know. I was that was crazy because Tris is like my idol. Tris Imboden. Tris Imboden. Shout out Tris. Tris, like one of the yeah. best man, one of the best, and probably one of the most underrated guys, you know. But I mean, all the songs he played on with Kenny Loggins, yes, and this is it, yes. all that stuff. Um, and so when he called and said, "Hey, man." 
Uh-huh. How'd you guys, uh, sorry, how'd you okay. guys um, know each other? So I met him when I was in like a sophomore in high school. MTV was going to, they broadcast a, uh, they, on MTV, this is like 1985. They said, hey, we're going to broadcast live from Laguna Beach on July 4th. And Laguna Beach is a town of like 20,000 people. And everybody's yeah. like, where? <laughs> Who's, whose house is this at? <laughs> sure enough, my girlfriend uh-huh. at the time, whatever, her best friend's dad was a clothing designer. It was at his house. And she's like, you want to come to the party? I was like, yeah. Wow. So we went there, and there's David Lee Roth and Mark Goodman, the original VJ with the curly hair yeah. and the ponytail, uh, Mr. Mister, oh. uh, Grace Jones, oh. and um, who else was there? And you were uh, a high Rick James, You were dude. a high school kid. I was a sophomore. Oh, my God. Totally out of my mind. And they just say, that's the guy, Tristan Bowden, he plays for, he plays for Kenny Loggins. I yeah. was like... Oh. And he sat in with this band, and he played drums, dude. And it was literally like a li- religious experience. It was like his groove was so oh, yeah. good, so solid, and so perfect, man. I just literally in that moment, I'm like, I want to do that right there. Wait. I want to be just like him. Okay, so you've been playing drums since you were little. Yep. But when you saw t- when you saw Tris and Bowden, all of a sudden, definition came into... Yeah, it was like... I mean, I played drums, right. you know, and like, yeah, it was cool, yes. great, awesome. I like playing drums. But when I saw him at that moment, I was like, did you, did you Did you talk life. to him at that I did, and beach? he was the nicest person ever. And I think literally him, he shaped the way I talk to people about music and who I am as a person, like really about music, because oh, he was so humble and so sweet that at that party. He said, hey, man. We went outside and we sat down on the curb because the party was just, it was just a scene, man. And so we talked and talked and talked for like 20 minutes. And he told me everything. It was like, just to me, like, and he's like, hey, man, here's my number. You call me anytime. You come up to L.A., we'll get lunch, we'll hang out. I was like, okay. And sure enough, I called him and like, he's like, I'll be back in six months from the Kenny Loggins tour. You call me. And I did. And I went up and met him and we became friends and we had lunch and like we just started talking from there on out. You know what? I believe you. You know why? Because that's the same thing you did to me. Hmm. We just started talking. Yeah. Jonathan Jonathan got us together. Jonathan, don't ever do that again. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, get my number, man. Yeah. Why not? I, uh, dude, why not? Right? How stupid. Right? People, like, you know, I mean, if really, mm. if, I guess if your life is that busy and you just don't want people to talk to you or anything, like... Hey, it's all good. Not for me. Now, wow. Now, you, what made you go up to him? See, because uh, I'll, I'll tell you why. Like, like I, can't, I can't say that on here. I know. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Without Very. Okay. <laughs> That's how I got this. Okay. No, no, the reason. <laughs> A lot of confidence in that moment. I got this. <laughs> no. The reason why I ask is because a lot of people miss opportunities because they get in the way of themselves, right? Right. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> I can't say that because that would be very bad. But in that moment, I decided to. Uh, but, you know, and I am I am a very shy person. I know it doesn't seem like because we're talking or whatever, but really I'm, I, uh, I, when, when I'm around people like that. I rarely go introduce myself like, hey, man, just want to say love your playing. And mm. no, I, I hate I hate small talk. Uh, I, I don't like 
anything fake. You know, uh, and yeah. you can see I get pretty emotional when I talk just because, yeah. I mean, I feel of like, course, hey, I feel course. this. I, this is real. So to, you know, to like talk about the weather and what kind of guitar are you playing? Man, I love your drums. Oh, is that the new Zildjian symbol? Like, it's fun and I don't mind it. But for a long period of time, I can't. Yeah. I, 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 I yeah. start to there falter. Has, there has to be substance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Okay, so um, after the tour with Tris, after Tris did the tour with Kenny Loggins, yep. he called you, you called him. I called him. So you really, you really made made the oh point no, to call him. I made so, dude. So back then, there's no cell phones. No, I called him. I drive from Laguna Beach all the way to L.A. off of a, a Prairie Avenue, right off the 405. Yeah, he lived right there. I get there. He's like, just call call from a payphone across the street. Oh. I'm like, okay. Oh no, oh no. And I knocked on his door. That's what happened. I knock on his door. I answer. So I'm like. And I've driven like. And you were still a sophomore or junior? Yeah, I was like junior maybe at this point. Like, nothing. Like, nobody's home. I'm like, this is weird. So I drive across the street to the 7 Eleven. I dial, I get on the payphone, dial, just rings and rings. I'm like, huh. I just talked to him like yesterday. He said to come up like, you know, at 11 a.m., hang up the phone. I don't know what to do. And I called again one more time, put in, you know, and uh, and you remember back then, if the answering machine came on, it hit your quarter. You're like, ah, ah. Yeah. So I, had to found another quarter, put it in, and like, Tris, it's Drew. Um, I'm here. I guess uh, maybe you got busy or something. I got head down. You know, call me sometime. I was getting ready to leave, and I see across the street him coming out from his house, walking out, just like just waking up. Oh, and, I'm like, and he's like, hey, I'm like, hey. So we wow. went in, and he's like, hold on, let me get dressed. We'll go get some food. And he got up, and he went and had got food with me, and we just talked and talked and talked. And He's just an amazing person. Mentor, just, would you can? Oh, yeah, hell yeah, big time mentor. Just on in terms of playing, in terms of uh, attitude, in terms of everything. Yep. Is he the reason why you actually took the vocational of taking drums as yep. your? Okay, for sure, him by itself. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind. If I wouldn't have seen him in that in that moment in that backyard for real, I mean, it was like a, ah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. It was one of those moments yeah. where I was just like, that's it. They, they like and I never I never looked back and I just kept going and going and going and it was well whatever it, it was uh it was hard for me because he was such a good drummer and so like he could play anything I could be like all that Latin yeah. music he could like yes. he was just so well versed mm. and I just you know, I mean I was going to music school and I was probably better at it back then but for me I've always been insecure as like oh I just play two and four you know I'm a very simple drummer at least that's the way I feel um and I was always concerned about time. Like, Jeff Picaro is probably, like, my favorite drummer of all time. Ditto. Um, so I was always real concerned about time. And, uh, like, just even sitting on your kid a second ago, when I hear myself play like that, I'm like, oh. You played just, well, by the no, way. No, 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 well, thank you. That's not. But I feel, okay. like, I feel like inside very insecure, you know, because we just, like, like as I told you, it's like, man, with COVID, <laughs> I haven't played much. And I get on, like, ah, oh, this is all. <laughs> That's not good. But uh, but with Tris, going back to Tris. Uh, so you, know, you got was, the call. I got the call. Isn't it? Isn't it f- okay. After Fu, no no, yep. no plan. Yep. You, it could have been anybody. That's my point. Well, here's the crazy thing. So when he made the <laughs> when he makes the call, he's like, hey, Drew, it's Tris. Uh, I have lung cancer. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? It's going to be okay. I'm going to – but I need, like – probably like a year off, you know, like it's going to take some time. Uh, I called Greg Bizonet. Um, he's busy. He can't do it. So I'm calling you. I was just like, 
<laughs> and to me, that was more exciting than anything, that the fact that Greg Bizonette went first and somehow I popped into his mind next. I was like, oh, that's a win. I'm taking that. <laughs> I'm fine to go behind second to Greg Bizonette because he's a monster. I was like, cool, Trist. What do you need? <laughs> Yeah, so he's like, "Yeah, you you got it, dude. You're gonna do this thing." And no, and that's not an audition gig. That's a that's a recommendation gig. Yeah, right? it's you're doing the job. You're yeah. gonna do it. I know you can do it. And I was like, and I was freaked out because he takes a huge drum solo, double bass drum. I didn't. Pl I don't play double bass drum. Uh, and the only thing I told the band when once I talked to him was like, "I will do no drum solo. I was sorry, I don't do them. I don't like them." I don't want to do one, and if you want to get another drummer, totally fine by me. But the, I'm serious about that part. I'm like, no, no, we're cool with it. I'm like, great. Okay, so hold on. I like I like how you delivered it. And again, to people watching, when you said I'm not gonna do a drum solo, when you were setting your boundaries, what was going through your head? Was it was it the I'll I'll put quotation marks was it the insecure drew going i hope i hope they 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 allow me not to do a drum solo because i really want the gig or was it the confident drew going you know what i really won't do the gig if they ask me to do a drum solo a little bit of both honestly i mean that when you say that i like listen to you say that and it's like it is some of both of that mm -hmm. there was definitely some confidence in like hey i see his drum solo i see what he does i know what people are going to be expecting i don't really do that you know, I can cover all his parts. I can make some cool things happen. Sure, I can take some solos within the band, but yeah. I don't want the whole band to leave the stage for 10 minutes and me sitting out there by myself. I will not do that. And I think I get it from Jeff, too, like from Picaro. He yes. was a real, you know. He had his. He, he, he had his moments, yes. but he Set nobody boundaries ever also. left yeah. the stage. Ooh, it's Jeff time. He was like, screw you. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm here for the song, exactly. just like you're here for the song. You know, do you want to do a guitar solo thing? But well, maybe for guitar. But for right? they, they might. Have, yeah, of course. <laughs> Ten minutes by myself. <laughs> maybe that's a bad example. Let's pick our background singer. Background singer. Would you like to go for ten minutes by yourself? What by myself? <laughs> yeah. So okay. That's, that's so yeah. I just you know I talked to Robert Lamb, and uh, he was cool. He's like, no, we're mm. good. And I was like, great. Then Dang. I'm I'm good. And I literally, Tris sent me a board tape, like the next, or they sent, they FedEx some CDs of the, of the show the few nights before that. And I charted out everything, like the ballet, which was like a 13 yeah. minute long song, mm. dude. It was like, I don't know, probably eight pages. And I was like, and I literally. You wrote your own. I yeah. notated every fill, mm. like to mm. the note. To like he played this, and that's a lot of like. Yeah. And it's not like. Pat, boom, Debbie, that's boom. a lot of grapes. It's, oh, dude. <laughs> It took me it took me like two weeks of just writing, but the good thing was I knew from music school, hey, if you listen yes. and you write it, you I'm gonna it. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to listen to this eighty times yeah. and write every note and rewind. Yeah. Write it. What is he doing? Play that hold on, kick drum time. And by doing that, you're yes. you're you're subconsciously already yes. like inputting it. So when I got on the drum set, I'm like, oh. I wrote it all. Mm. I know what he's doing. Now I just have to like make sure my muscle yes. memory is going to do what he wanted to do. And then I kind of made it my own. And I tried to go back and take some of Danny's stuff that Tris had kind of morphed into his own. And uh -huh. I kind of, I morphed some back to Danny, some of Tris, some of me. Um, and I just tried to play it as best I could. Did they pretty much let you do whatever it is that you 
Pretty much, you know, uh, the one Except thing for I the did. Cues, right? Yeah, for make me smile, I went back to yeah. Danny's thing, because um, ah. uh, Trish would play two and four from it, and Danny would kind of do the accents like, God, do, do, yeah, do, do, God, do, do, God. and so I kind of added that back in, kind of from the original, um, but you know, what Trish had on there was already great, and they were already used to it, you know. So I pretty much played what he did, but it was awesome, man. I mean, and it'd go with Chicago. But that, you know, you know, it's 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 know. funny and weird because when he came back, you both of you started doing solos. Yeah, yeah. Well, he wanted he so he loves solos, and I was like, okay. So we worked out that solo, which we came up with at my house. And, but then uh, again, I mean, okay. So gig with Foo Fighters percussion, right? And then Chicago drums. But when yeah. when Tris came back, right? They didn't kick you out. You're staying, but you're playing percussions. Yeah. Well, that's what they said. They said, hey, can we pay you a retainer for drums while he's here? I was like, yeah, you can. And we, I went back to the hotel that night. And the next day I'm thinking like, wait, so if Tris <laughs> has an issue on stage, like breathing with his lungs coming back, I'm in L.A., you're in Denver. What are you going to do in that moment on stage? Like, what, you're going to fly me out the next day? Well, the mm. show's already over. He's already, right. you know, he's maybe already had a little yeah, yeah. breathing problem. So I went back to the band. I'm like, look, why don't I play percussion ah. for a few months, you know, while he, he gets acclimated to playing again? And then when he feels good and confident, I can I can bail out, you know, and uh, and I'll just be here. Because that way, if I'm playing percussion, he feels like, I'm a little winded. We just like, dun, 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 end of the song. I hop up on drums. I play some drums while he gets... And that happened a couple times, and mostly just in high altitude places where he'd be like, "Yo, come up here. Next song you're on." So I would just go back, yes, sit on, play drums. How did how does it feel to actually share the? Not good. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, his kids. No, but anybody wants to play their kit. You know, I mean, the the bass drum tension's a little different. I know. No, but tilt okay. a little. Uh, let me rephrase that. Right. But actually, being on stage with Tris. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's the best ever. Right. That, Full that's circle. Amazing. That's like. Oh. That's like Dude, it's Lion kid. King. Yeah. yeah. No, for real, bro. That was the best, you know. And that and I'll always be thankful to him for giving me that opportunity. You know, I mean, I was the kid, he was the star, and right. I like just grew up watching him and then to say, Hey kid, get up here. Right? I got a I got a health issue, you know. It's a, it, yeah, I always be thankful. And he's a sweetheart and I love him. But see, so. your attitude played a big part because he wouldn't recommend you to the band if he knew you had an attitude right right yeah maybe so now were you conscious about your positive image because it wasn't really was it was it always positive what do you mean in what way did you have did you have a good reputation ever since um yeah i think so since i've been sober (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sobriety, so sobriety played a, a yeah, big part. Yeah, I mean, when I wasn't sober before that, you know, show up late to gigs, whatever, you know, not, not, I never had a bad attitude, but um, definitely would lie to people and not be the best person in that way, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, being sober was changed my changed my life and made my career. I mean, the quick story on that was just I was playing bars, you know, my, like I told you earlier, my yeah. parents moved to Europe, my brother's yeah. in the military, uh, I was living out of my car, I, but this guy had an office building that he would let me shower in, and uh, I had a, um, a answering machine, I told the story before, but, and basically, no, say it again, no, this is a new audience, yeah. <laughs> so he let me keep an answering machine there, um, 
and I got a uh, a DUI. I went to jail. Ooh. Yeah, oh. two DUIs back to back. Oh, and the second ju- I got my second DUI on New Year's Eve. I'm like, who, dr- who drinks and drives on New Year's Eve? Me, because I'm an oh, idiot. Lord. So, uh, the judge I got I got Judge Shaw. Never forget her name. Her 18 year old daughter was killed by a drunk driver about three or four months before I stood in front of her, and she said, "You know what? I don't think you're learning your lesson. You just got a DUI six months ago. I sentenced you to 75 days in jail for my second one." Seventy-five. Yeah. Days. I was like. Excuse me? I'm like, I know guys with like five DUIs. I've never served time. I'm like, uh, not, I even, not even community service. Yeah, no, it was like, you're going to jail. I was like, how old were you? I was uh, 27. Did it wake you up? Uh, yeah, changed my. So I went in there and I, I prayed to God. I prayed and I said, I'll make you a deal. <laughs> mm, I want to hear this. You, if you can get me a church, a gig in church again, because I am, I am. 17 was the last time I saw a yeah. church. I was a senior in high school. And once I got a senior in high school, got I didn't it. go to church anymore. So I said, you get me a gig in church, I'll do my best to stay sober. I'll stay sober for one year, from January 1st to January 1st. And if my life isn't changed, and I know I'm sounding like demanding of God, but I wasn't. I was just, this was the deal I wanted to make. I said, you know, I'll do, I'll do my best to stay sober and see where my life is afterwards, you know? See, like, hey. You got a better life. You got you got a bank money in the bank. You know, you maybe everything's a little bit better. And I got out of jail after three and a half weeks, and so I only served twenty one days. And I had like forty five days behavior. good behavior, and I had like forty five days of community service. And um, I went to the office, and on the answering machine was a message from one of the high school kids I had played with ten years before, Nate Puoric. And He said, Nate. Uh, he said, Hey, Drew. This is Nate Puoric. I don't know if you remember me. But uh, I need a drummer down here at my church. Uh, my dad's a pastor, and uh, I can pay you. It's like, <gasps> huh? And to me, in that moment, dude, that was like that, that was a sign. That was that was it. That was, that's my testimony on that one. And I was just like, yeah, let's do this. You know so, what? You know what's nice about you? Um, instead of getting mad at the world for something you did, mm-hmm. you took accountability and responsibility, and raise your hand. The demand was the demand is a real thing, I would judge. Because when my mom died of pancreatic cancer, and I'm close to my mom, and I was okay, fine, Lord, you took away my mom. I'm 20 years old, you took away my mom. Mm -hmm. Not cool, but I'm gonna trust you. Yeah. A year later, he took away my dad. Mm. Crazy. With a hundred dollars in the bank. Wow. And I have five other siblings. Instead of cussing him out. Yeah. God, I, I did the same thing you did. But mine was different. I'm like, you did this? Mm-hmm. Took away my my, my parents? Mm-hmm. You take care of me. Yeah. And then, I think, it was a few months, Jay, no? After a few months, one of the songs I wrote became the number one song wow. in, in Crazy, the Philippines and parts of Asia. And I'm yeah. like, whoa, we were killing it. Yeah. And Good for you, man. And and so hearing your story gave me goosebumps. Yeah, okay, your your story gave me say that's awesome, man. Because you know it's it's all about that's God. That yeah, come on. Right? Yeah, and, I, and like we said, like you were nice enough, like, hey man, anything's out there, whatever. We don't want to talk about religion, politics, all good. And I'm like, I don't care, and right. and I really don't because I don't. It's you know, I have some of my best friends are atheists. I have no like. I'm no still my best friends, yeah. dude. I, it's all good. Yeah. I love him just as much as I yep. love anybody else. Yep. So. That has nothing to do with 
with that. And I think people can find inspiration um, in any shape or form for me and for you. And that moment was God. Yeah. And, and it answered my prayer. Yeah. And that changed my life. Um, and so I you, tell my other friends, like, hey, dude, it's okay. You know, if you think that's just corny or whatever, totally cool. Yeah. But I respect you. You respect me. Amen. We're good, brother. That's where it is, so, yeah, right? Yeah. So now you did the whole church thing. Church thing did that, yeah. And that um that changed my that changed my trajectory. And I uh was sober for a year and within that year I had the gig with Joe Walsh. And that was really Joe Walsh was my first pro gig and he was my longest running gig. How'd you meet that uh, was the people uh, be uh, the people around Joe Walsh, or was it Joe that you actually? It was met? no, it was uh, my friend Jason Freeze, who was a keyboard player in some of the clubs, as you know. Is is Jason related to Josh? Josh, yeah, it's his brother. Huh. Yeah, so Josh and Jason. So yeah, so Jason plays with Green Day and all these other yeah. people, and um, so um, yeah, so I've been good friends with Jason. I was in his wedding. It was one of ever since you guys were kids. No, we met later on after high school, and just kind of we kind of knew some of the same friends in the club scene in Orange County. So we just kind of play around. And then um, he, I don't know, my roommate talked to him. They said, oh, the guy quit for Joe Walsh. He just started this band. And, like, do you want to audition? And I went and auditioned. And uh, they had a few guys audition. And it was my first pro audition, like, for a big-name artist, freshly sober. Wow. And um, we did um, Walk Away. And, uh, <sighs> and the guy said, like, look, man. This is what's going to happen. And it was Bill and Jason. It was just a four-piece band. It was like, if you get to play two songs, you got the gig. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. We've already had guys in it. He'll play one song. He's like, thanks for coming down. So nobody's played two songs. So we play. He's like, and walk away. He The way he played it was just four on the floor. Right. So it was pretty straightforward. And so I just played it. And and we finished the song. And nobody says anything. <laughs> Silence. And Joe has his hands behind his back. And he's just rocking back and forth. And his head's down. And he's just thinking. Eyes are closed. And he's just like, dude, for like 20 seconds. Longest 20 seconds of your life. All right. and, we're all, and Jason's not saying anything. Bill's on. I'm just, we're all waiting. He's like, let's play another song. Ah. I was like, and Jason was like, you got the king. You got the king. I was like, yes. That was it. That was, and that was my relationship with Joe. And he taught me more about music than any other person on the planet. Like, just, I came in there with music school metronome jeff Picaro, and joe taught me about like are you listening to me right now thank you are you listening to what my guitar is doing because who you're keeping that beat back there but you're not listening to what i'm doing follow me right now and dude it used to get man i'd be like uh yes okay joe no problem and we had it out a couple times but um how old were you uh, 20, 27. 27. Yeah. yeah, I got it right after I got sober. So I played with him from two, uh, 1998 to 2016. And wow. Uh, yeah, he was my longest running gig. Imagine, imagine the trust that it's like, oh, my God. And we went through like five different bands in those 18 years. So, so Jason was left. All, Jason was gone within like a year and a half, maybe two years. Um, but then he came back a couple times. And then we had another band, and then I double drummed with Steve Ferroni for oh. the tour. I know, crazy. Uh, average white band, Duran oh, Duran. Oh my God, Steve's a monster. So that was just crazy. And I was the MD. I'm like, okay, Steve. So you're gonna this is how it goes? I'm just like, oh. And so, and <laughs> the first rehearsal we had, Steve didn't really talk to me. He was kind of like. And he's intimidating. Did they have an accent? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was and, it British? Yeah, yeah. And he. 
played, and it was two guys from uh 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 oh my uh, god, uh, gosh, the DeLeo brothers, Dean and De his Leo. brother, yeah, Dean, yeah. Dean and Robert. Thank yeah. you, gosh. And um, and so they were all buddies with Steve, and I didn't know any. I didn't know they anybody. Were, they were older than you. Yeah, they're all older, and I'm like the young MD. And Joe didn't. Joe wouldn't come to rehearsals. I at that point, I ran the band like the first three or four days. <laughs> And I would sing the parts and play, and then I kind of knew all the arrangements, and then Joe would show up and then finish up rehearsals. And Steve was like, I'm just like, I'm playing with Steve Ferroni. And then after the first day, and I think he didn't know what I was going to be like, because I'm sure he's saying, like, man, I got to play with some guy. Like, if this if we don't agree on the groove, and I got to do a six-month tour, this is going to be a long tour. Right. Like, this is not going to be fun. And literally, dude, we did walk away because it's four on the floor, super yeah. easy. And we started playing, and Steve played, and I played, and so we we were playing. Maybe and maybe I told the story wrong because I remember he winked. And so we played. And I was listening like, okay, our kick drums are together. That's good. And then I'm like, man, snares feel good. Snares feel good. I'm like, hi hats together. We're good. And I look over at Steve, and he looked at me, and he just winked. And like from that point on, after that first day, he was like. A sweetheart, and we are still friends to this day. I still talk to him all the time. So he was wow. amazing. He's a yeah, dude. I don't know. You know, it's weird. I tell these stories, and I think like, what the heck, right? <laughs> I don't think about it like that uh, ever, ever. Wait, wait, but, I, you know, that's that's the that's the best part because it's not that you don't care. It's not that you don't appreciate. No, no it's just that. Okay, let me just. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't ever take it in for some reason. It's very strange. I just like there, there are those guys, and then I'm here, and I'm not like a woe is me kind of guy. Like, oh, I suck, because I, I don't like guys that say like, man, you sounded great. Oh, well, it's, it sucks. Sorry, well, it sucks. I'm like, <laughs> okay, you don't sound great. That's one thing Tris told me. He said, just say thank you. Yes. Don't make people feel yes. like they're wrong. Yes. You know, when people say, man, you sounded great, say thank you. And that is a great lesson for everybody to learn. Don't don't tell people that you sucked or whatever. And I know I kind of went off on myself earlier, but that's oh. because it's true. But uh, no, but it, it's true. Just say thank you. And I think that's a huge lesson. And so. you know what? You know what was nice about what you just said about about Joe telling you, don't you know how to listen? Yeah. I think everybody needs to have that person we've lost that, that man yeah i'm telling you because music now is so there's tracks there's clicks yes even at church we deal with this um with jonathan playing with jonathan over you there actually play with jonathan yeah, yeah it's tough that sucks i mean <laughs> it's always lovely <laughs> jonathan telepa shout out okay yeah. no but it um I, I truly do feel, and that was one thing that Joe said. He's like, man, I, when, when I play, when it gets louder, it's okay to speed up. It's okay. It creates emotion. It yeah. creates energy. And when it gets really quiet, it's okay to slow down. It'll create emotion. Yes. And, and it was so hard for me to do that coming from, like, the yeah. perfectionist, everything has to be perfect, to, like, it, slow down. And people would be like, you know you're slowing down. I'm like, I know. It's okay. <laughs> Why does it matter? Like, just listen to the freaking song, dude. And if it gets fast, yeah. And I don't know what happened, man. 
Listen to Led Zeppelin. Led yeah. Zeppelin's on the radio every day. Yes. They're considered the greatest, one of the greatest rock bands, whatever. Time is all over. I mean, it's all over bon- the Bonham keeps yeah. it steady, but it's not perfect. But but see, steady is relative with... Right. Right? Right. right. So anyways, <laughs> we could talk about that all day. Yeah. So you got so. the... So Joe Walsh, why, why, how did it end? And why did it end? Uh... Mm. Safe word, banana. Yeah, right. You know, uh, it ended because um, it was a tough time for me. Um, we had a kid, and I wanted to be home. But also, it, it, and I have never told him this, so saying this on the microphones, okay, nobody's ever heard this, but um, it was tough for me with him. Yeah. Oh. And I, I love playing with him. He was like my original guy. But uh, it just became to the point where, like, we didn't communicate much anymore. And uh, it was hard, man. I, dude, I, like I'm crying right now. I cried on the phone when I quit. But, yeah, amazingly, you know, I quit. And, uh, and he didn't want me to. He's like, dude. Uh, you know, I'll pay you more money. Call me lick. Give it, give it a few days. Um, thanks, buddy. Give it a few days. You know, think about it. But I knew in my heart, yeah, I was like, okay, oh, you're gonna make me quit again in three days. Okay, I'll call you back. And sure enough, I called him back, and I said, you know, it's still the same, dude. I don't, I don't wanna. Did you I pray? Can't, did I can't you, did do. You, did this. You, I wanted to. Did you pray about it? I mean, did you? Not really, because okay. I you, didn't. I just knew. knew. Okay. I knew that it was tough, you know, and he, we, it was just hard. And I love him, and I, I still reach out to him. I haven't really heard from him, but, um, you know, I don't – I know he wanted me to stay, and he's a, an amazing human being I mean, for, for one he, of the greatest. Yeah, for him to make you the MD. Yeah. I mean, that's trust right there. Oh, dude. And it's, it's just as a musician, dude. Yes, he's yes one of the greatest. I mean, and like talk about music IQ. I don't know if there's anybody better in that. See. Like uh, rock music so IQ and putting songs together and his craftsmanship is absolutely ridiculous. Did, did you do the repertoire? Did he do the repertoire? What do you mean? Oh, in terms of like the song that he did. Yeah, okay. I never. I would maybe have some suggestions, but you know, he he pretty much did that. But um, eventually, you understood why the song sequence was the way it was. Yeah, right? yeah, and he, you know, you knew what he wanted, and I got to, we got to co-write a song with him on his last album. So my roommate and I co-wrote the title track, "Analog Man." Oh, so wow. that was huge, and I think I was hurt too because I like wanted to do more of that with him, but then he just we never reached out again. It was like, and it was, I think, probably the best song on the album, not because of me or Ken, but I think it was that shared yeah, thing synergy. of all of us yeah. kind of like yes. putting stuff together and we we never got to do it again and that that hurt a little bit Dang. when i started seeing him work with other people in the band that were new it was like oh let's write yeah let's do it and i was like what what happened to i've me? been here almost oh, yeah. 20 years and i can't even yeah. like it's cool man and i and at that point i think i was just tired you know i had always been the guy when everything went wrong you know i get i was the whipping post after a while and I would know what's wrong, but it was hard to talk to him sometimes. Um, but he was always, I will say this, Joe always apologized for real. Like, he would pull me aside, and if it was a bad day between us, you know, like, because I would get upset, like, <laughs> it was would, like would, husband would, and wife. Would he say, I, just, yeah. I just wouldn't look at him. He would be talking to me, I'd just be like, 
you didn't talk to my back of my head, bro, because I am so mad right now. And he knew it. He's like, well, you got to. And so we were like a married couple kind of. So it was kind of hard. Um, but he would always apologize. I would always apologize. I didn't want to quit, but I just, like at the time, it was the right thing to do. And I had a baby. You know, my wife, we had a kid. And that was a good out, too. You know, I really did want to be with her. And I'm glad. But, of course. You know. But you know what? what, what what's nice? Again. Right, you have conviction, and once that conviction is in motion, you don't know what's in front of you, mm-hmm. but you're 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 you you're trusting that fate, F A T E, will take mm-hmm. you to a better place. Yeah, yeah. What happened after that? Well, yeah. So you had your baby. The baby was amazing. You know, um, I'm not gonna mention her name until you mention her name. Okay, Just Hannah. Mention. Yeah. Hello, Hannah. Yes. So Hannah, we had Hannah, and she's. Awesome. She's and, your uh, blessing. She is, dude. She's, you know, like people say, or my mom said one time, like, you'll know true love when you have a kid. Oh, if yeah. you don't know it before that, you'll know it then. Oh, yeah. Because now you know, like, oh, yeah, take a bullet, be tortured oh, to death. Oh, yeah. Not a problem. Yep. Kid, you go home. I got to go take care of this. Yep. <laughs> you know, like. I agree. That type of love. So, yeah. Um, yeah, then that was there. And then crazy enough, Stevie calls, you know. That was just a weird... Stevie is Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks, who I auditioned for in 2003. Got rejected? When I I was a Lisa Marie Presley, and... um, Wait, hold on. Oh, wait, no, she wasn't married to Michael Jackson anymore. No, she was Nicolas Cage at that point. Yeah. Yeah. He would come to all our rehearsals. It was a trip. Did you meet Michael Jackson? I did not, but uh, Lisa and I would talk about him some um, in private, and, um, you know... It was great. She's she's an amazing woman. I love her. I really do. She's so like a great you fun. you looking, playing, interacting with Lisa Marie. Did it ever occur to you that this is Elvis's DNA? Every moment, Marie. because she looks so much like him. You know, I mean, it's and like, and but that's did, did she actually say, "Hey, don't be cruel"? Yeah, no, <laughs> no, she doesn't play like that. You know, and she doesn't want to like. She's real, dude. And really? uh, yeah, she's a great. Great woman and super talented artist. Very down to earth, I heard. What's that? Down to earth. Yeah. No, she's amazing. Very protected. Like, so you don't really get to know her for a while. She's got that wall up, you know, which I can understand. Um, and then once we were kind of in the band and with her, and then it was like, come over to my house. Let's go do this. And let's go. You know, she's she was awesome. And um, I, you know. How did you get the gig? Uh, Victor and Drizzo was supposed to audition and they was like he couldn't make it and he's like go do this thing for me I did it and I had the gig and that was that and before we before we go forward because people are so entitled to I'm not saying everybody's entitled but there's a sense of entitlement going on right now people think they're mm-hmm. entitled to their wall on Facebook or, or mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff and I get that but auditioning humbles you yes or no yes can for can sure. we talk about that for a minute? What yeah. goes on in an audition? It's it's like real. It's like reality check, right? Yeah. How does I it mean, work? So there's obviously different ways. There's you can get, just get the call and get the gig, but that's not really an audition. No. You know, I mean, you could still lose it. We talked about guys yeah. who had gigs, like mm. did the rehearsals, yes. and then all of a sudden the tour goes starts and like you're out. Uh-huh. Um, luckily, I've never had that happen to me. But um, yeah, I mean, the process is humbling. Uh, I did, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, gosh. Credence Clearwater, John um, uh, Fogarty. Thank you. 
So I got a, I got once again Victor and Drizzo, amazing drummer. Uh, said, "Hey, I can't make this audition tomorrow. It's for John uh, Fogarty. Can you make it?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." So I go down, and Jack Bruno is there, who Ooh. is amazing. Tina Turner, like yeah. Jack, is like literally like I'm kind of a fan of. I am a fan of his. Not kind of. I love Jack. So when I saw him, so we're all at center staging, and uh, in, in Burbank. Yeah, in Burbank. So it's um, Jack, me, and gosh, I'm getting bad with names. Uh, the guy who played with uh, Bruce Hornsby forever, bald guy, drummer. I forget. Anyways. Huh. Uh, darn it. Anyways, so he. Research. Yeah, research. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he, he was, was there. there. Too, huh? He was there, too. And then they paired us up with bass players, three bass players and like three drummers, maybe four drummers and, and four bass players. I forget who the other drummer was. And so you just got a bass player. And so the, you would go in groups of two, and you would play, like, four songs with them. And then and you could hear them in the room. You know, you're all sitting outside. So I'm hearing Jack Bruno play. I'm like, oh, man, gosh, Jack sounds so good. It feels so good. You know, he's playing all this stuff, right? And for me, of course, you know the songs, <laughs> but I didn't really know, know all the songs. So I go in with the bass player, and I sit down, and John Fogarty's like, hey, thanks for coming in. And I'm like, yeah, I know this will be fun. Set up, go to play, and I'm just like, all right. Go ahead and count it off. And so, you know, you have a metronome. You've kind of written your notes, and you've taken as much notes. You know. So I start, you know, and we start playing. And so there's, like, a break, and I play through the break. Oh! And it's like, and the bass player looks at me like, what? I was like, I don't know. I, like, no, I, don't, I got called last night. I'm doing my best. And so we finished our four-song set, and he's like, thank you, next. And, like, you know, you're just going in and out. And the bass player was so mad at me. He's like, man, we, we went out to the lobby. He's like, you know, you just blew this for me, man. You just blew it for me. I'm like, I am so sorry, dude. I, but I don't think me not stopping that one break is going to like, you know, whatever. We'll, but he didn't like it. So that was humbling, and I felt bad. But um, I, it, on that one, it was kind of weird because I was like, take it or leave it. You know, I'm not a huge Fogarty yes. fan. I, I respect him, but uh, I didn't know his music. I, I recognized all the songs. You can, you yes. know, everybody recognizes all the songs. But um, so, anyways, <laughs> but but <laughs> it was humbling. It was humbling, right? Yeah, yeah. And and okay, so you got that. Um, and I got passed on that. And I got passed on another gig for this like punk band. One time, I went down for this punk band. Yeah, it was like a like kind of like Nirvana thing, not really punk, but kind of like power rock, uh -huh. not power so grunge, grunge rock thing. Yeah. So um. I went down and Josh Freeze played Ooh. on the record. Ooh. And Josh calls like, hey, Drew, I just did this uh, album. You should come down and I think you'd be great for this. I was like, oh, okay. Cause I'm, Wait, I so Josh grew up in Laguna Beach as well? No, he grew up in Anaheim. Okay, so yep. you guys are so, Orange County boys? Yeah, Orange County boys. Oh, yeah. So uh, he <laughs> he says, come down, man. You you, you, you can have this gig. I'm, I'll just get you the gig. It'll be, it'll be great. I'm like, oh, okay. So I come down to uh, was NRG or whatever over in North Hollywood, the recording studio. I go over. And I walk in the lobby, and the band's manager comes out, and he's like, oh, are you Drew? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this isn't going to work. I'm, I'm looking for some, like, a 21-year-old like a with, like, tattoos. And I was like, at the time, I was probably, like, 35, and I look like I do right now, just, like, short hair, normal-looking real estate agent, you know? And he's like, yeah, this is not going to work. And he literally just told you can leave. I'm like, oh, it's cool. I'll see you later, bro. <laughs> that was it. I called Josh. I'm like, they didn't want me. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, dude. He he just looked at me and laughed. <laughs> but you don't take these things personally. No, no. Okay. What am I gonna do? Right. Dang. This is what I look like, bro. 
This is what I do. Like you didn't even hear me play but, drums, but, so it doesn't but then, matter. But then, but then again, Drew, you had to haul your gear in the car, or no, no, oh, okay. no, no gear hauling, okay. which is good. But you might, you know, at that point, being a drummer, yeah. no, nobody knows what it's like to be a drummer unless you're mm. a drummer. Mm. First to arrive, last to leave. Yeah, right. You know? Oh, there's four flights of stairs. Killer. Anybody right? want to help me with this eighty-pound hardware bag? And they no. complain that they're carrying their guitars? Yeah, yeah. Right. I got two basses in here. Cool. <laughs> you take my drums, I'll take your basses. <laughs> exactly. Any day of the year. <laughs> Any day of the week, you know? So Sorry, sorry Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> so Lisa Marie, you got the gig. Oh, you, I was going to, to Stevie. Oh, Stevie, yeah. So, uh... Rewind. Um, no, so I did that, and during that time, uh, Stevie called for an audition. I went, and... Um, 2003. 2003, and I practiced, and I got all the stuff together. And I went there, and they're having open auditions at Center Staging again. And I go there, and I did really well. And they're like, it's good. Come Here's back. my Come question back. with regard to that. Yeah. So you know that her drummer's uh, Mick, right? For, uh, uh, for Fleetwood Mac? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did that even come to mind? Because I would probably think that, oh, my God, I'm, I'm going to sit behind Stevie who has... Yeah, who's used she's used to Mick, but you know, Mick's such a like, like, because uh, I felt like, well, this is her solo thing, right. it's just Fleetwood Mac, and Mick is such a, like, creative wizard in uh -huh. that band, yeah. and it's hard, like, like Rhiannon, I still don't play correctly, you know, <laughs> it is so hard, what he, the way he plays that dude is so weird, and I've been meaning to ask. He's come to a few shows, and uh -huh. I really need to ask him next. I'm like, let's go to the drum set real quick and play that for me, dude. I've tried to watch videos. No. I can't figure it out yet. It's crazy what he does. Okay. So, so but, yeah, um, okay. So audition. Audition. I go. Um, the weirdest part was um, Sharon, who now is dear friend. She was there, and she comes out, and she's been with Stevie since, like, 78 or whatever. They met in 78. And she's like, hey, Stevie's lost her voice, so she's not going to be able to sing. So you're just going to audition, kind of, and I'll just sing a part. So I'm like, oh, it's totally cool. Don't even worry about it. I'm like, I love Stevie so much. I, I'll be able to, you know. And she looked at me so weird. She's like, uh-huh, okay. Like, <laughs> she was kind of irritated. And I told her later on, once I was playing, I'm like, you know what? You're really weird to me that one time at the audition. She's like, oh, I don't remember. I'm like, but... So I go back the next day. It's between me and Mark Shulman. Mark Shulman got the gig, uh, and they called me. And I had to wait for like four or five days. And like I called the tour manager like twice a day. Is there any news? Any news? And he's like, Mark got the gig. I'm like, ah, suck. How did that feel? That hurt because okay. I, I like out of everybody. Stevie's probably my favorite artist I've ever worked with. I love her. So and, and I love and her. In 2003, music. did you have a bit? Were you running a business already? Like? No, no, no. I was so, a drummer. So touring was really yeah, bread yeah, and butter. my whole life. Yeah. Okay. So that was that, and then um, kind of went back to Lisa Marie. Was on a break at that point. Went back to Lisa Marie, and then like a few months later, we had rehearsed for like three weeks with Lisa Marie. Our first night, our first gig was the Anaheim House of Blues. Oh, yeah. And we finished sound check. My phone rings, and it's Waddy from Stevie's band. It's like, hey, uh, Mark's the like leaving or something something happened i don't know what happened you know stevie liked you you know you want to get you like the runner up you know you oh. want the gig. i was like and so i was like uh well i, oh. I just finished sound check i'm starting a tour but let me call tris so i called tris my mentor and i'm like hey what do i do what do you can say? i quit and he said don't quit he's like listen to me you get that you get that reputation of leaving an artist like the on the first day of a tour be, to go with a bigger artist. He's like, you'll never live that down. Integrity, no? You will 
that will go with it, you. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I understand it's hard. It's less money. It's with an artist that's not well known and all that stuff. But he's like, Drew, you do that. You, believe me, your reputation, that is not easy to erase. And that will be with you forever. It doesn't matter who the artist is. Oh, it's big name, little name. You don't do that. God and bless Tris. So, yeah. And so I had to call Wadi back. One of the hardest phone calls, literally, like, turned down Stevie Nicks. Like, hey, uh, yeah, I can't do it. He's did like, say, okay. Did you say we're even? No, yeah. Just, just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was that. And then, amazingly enough, here, Taylor, I'll tell the story. Taylor was at um, um, music for kids thing uh, that Tom Petty did. Uh, what's it called? Gosh darn it. Not the school of rock. Yeah, no, yeah. no. It was um, it was like as it, where you raise money for kids um, for for music programs in school, and um, Tom Petty did that every year. So the Foo Fighters were there, Fleetwood Mac, and Tom Petty, and so they're doing this concert. And Stevie had just started rehearsals, and um, who was playing for Stevie uh, at the time? Who? Oh gosh, I can't believe, dude. So this is the problem with having a production company. And um, Kurt, um, come on, Kurt. Asian guy, long hair. Oh, Pescara. Kurt Pescara, thank you. Filipino guy. Yep. Yeah. So he was playing drums and got uh, pneumonia during rehearsal and like got really sick. So um, they needed a drummer like real quick. And Taylor was backstage with Stevie at the Tom Petty thing, Music Cares or whatever. And and but at this time, you and you and Taylor were kind of hanging we, out. We, well, we've always been friends. Yeah. And yeah. That no, was, but that, this that was, was yeah. during that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was like. 2005 that is like 2017 right so we um taylor was back there with stevie and she's like she's like what do i do and taylor literally wrote my phone number down he's like call drew you already know him you'll remember him when you see him like he's your he's your guy and literally uh marty called me the next day like hey drew this is marty home oh my god you got taylor gave me a number we we need to like we're in rehearsals right now can i send you the stuff are you available what do you want per week i was just like and was on i was like and i went in there and then um i was just supposed to cover like the first three weeks of that leg until kurt got better or whatever was happening or or jimmy i I don't know i never asked because it wasn't my business i was just in there to cover and um we finished up that leg and stevie came in it's like you're not going anywhere. I'm gonna keep you. And I was like, sweet. So, he's like, now when you're, you're not playing daughter. with, when you're not playing with Stevie, are you on retainers? No. Okay. No. The only person that's ever done like a real retainer is uh, Foo Fighters and Lisa Marie. You think Abe Laboriel Jr. gets retainers from Paul McCartney? Yeah. The whole sure. band. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that means if Paul decides to play, they have to drop whatever it is they're doing and play. Yep. Yep. Ah. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, I can't say that for sure, but yeah. I mean, I've hung out with Abe, you know. So nice guy. Uh, he's yeah, amazing, good guy, solid, humble, uh-huh. sweetheart, Important. amazing. Like, there's so many good players, man. I don't know. Okay, so. you know what's so what's so nice? All these things are happening. You mentioned the Hannah. So that so now family life. Priorities. You left. Joe, that was one of the things that came to mind. I mean, it, it it was like highlighted in my head while you were talking about it. How important is being grounded with family in what oh, you're doing? I think it's everything. I mean, there's no better joy than hanging out with my, my kid and wife, you know. I mean, music can definitely, it's different though. There's different joys. Um, music can definitely, there's nothing like 
playing something and being connected to music and feeling that that moment um, of just like things happening and it just feels great and the song's inspiring and I don't know if people obviously well no I can't say that there's millions and millions of people that listen to music and they get yeah. goosebumps you yeah. know that feeling is amazing having a kid and running around and having that kid say I love you and grab your <laughs> cheeks and you know like be in bed with them at night and they're you know just talking in the dark and I love you daddy and all that's dude you don't get that from music you know right music's great but um, so I'm glad that I'm around for those things. Um, and I'm in a weird way, you know, yeah, it was great that uh, with COVID and having Stevie off for a couple of years and before that, she was out with Fleetwood Mac. So, mm -hmm. I mean, really, we we did all of 2017. It was pretty much a world tour. 2018, we did some stuff. And then uh, in the very beginning, then Fleetwood Mac went out for like two years, Yeah, you know, and then we did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? I think that was the very beginning of January of 2020, when she was inducted, we did that, and then COVID hit. And how many times over. have you been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Um, well, twice with the Foo Fighters and with Stevie. Um, but you know, it's weird. I was thinking the other day, it's like, man, Chicago's in, uh -huh. Joe's in with the Eagles. Yes. Um, and so I was just like, wow, the f four bands I've played with, you know, like it's pretty crazy. And I'm sure Beck will be in there one day. I'm sure Jewel will be in there one day. Um, so I do. Now, when you played with Beck and 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 Jewel. Every time I go to Zanko, I always think of Beck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like, yeah. like getting those gigs, like like Jewel, who was a crush. I I had a, I had a oh, yeah. huge crush yeah. on Jewel. I mean, when when she started the first Why album, you? right? Yeah, come on. So when you played for her, mm -hmm. how was that? Uh so once again, Drew, drummers, <laughs> out of here. We need you, like. In a few days, literally, I'm sending you the tapes. It was Jason Freeze again. Jason was playing keyboards. He said, "Call Drew." I got, I got the gig. Or, all right, got the tapes, charted everything out. I have a video on my laptop of me playing with her at San Diego Sports Arena, the first show, and I have a music stand, and I'm playing like this. And they had a huge LED wall, and I'm and just <laughs> reading my charts, and I'm playing the songs. And so, the first song of the set was "Satellite." And so I worked with the band. She never showed up. We never rehearsed. Our first gig together with her was walking was that, on stage yeah. live together. And so she came in the dressing room like a few minutes before the stage. Before we walked on, like, hey, nice to meet you. She's like, nice to meet you too. I'm sure it'll be great. I'm like, yeah, be fun, whatever. <laughs> it's great, you know? I go up on stage. So the band goes up. And I forget how satellite goes, but it was like tempo's like 130 or something, you know. It's like maybe 140. It's like this little and we're playing it. And I had a metronome, but we didn't I didn't leave it on. You just kind of started with yeah. it and then you turn it off and then start the song. We're playing. And so we're we're vamping for maybe like 30 seconds, and then she walks up on stage, the crowd, you're like How many people are we talking about? Uh ten thousand, oh. you know. So we're playing and we're going. And she's like, ah, hasn't said a word to the crowd and walks up, walks up to the microphone and goes, slow down. It's too fast. Oh! I'm just like, over her mic. Oh! I'm just like, and I'm playing, dude. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Did she just call me out? Like, and she turns around and, like, I was just like, whoa. This is not happening. But... In a way, dude, 
if I would have been younger, I would have been freaking out. I think I was confident enough to be like, sure. And Jason told me before the thing, like, he's like, watch out. She will, she'll try and like, yeah. like get you worked up. And if you fall for it, she won't like you. If you just kind of like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever, cool, and like go with it, you'll be our best friend. And luckily, he gave me that information because when she said that, I was like, all right, you're gonna like kind of embarrass me right now. I want to see what was gonna happen. And so I just laid back a little bit. She's like, cool. And so we we keep going, do the show, everything's fine. And on uh, cool, save your soul. You can see on that video that I have on my laptop that I found on YouTube somewhere. Um, we're playing the song, and she comes up in front of my in front of my drum set during the saxophone solo, and I'm playing, and she she starts twirling around, and as she twirls around, she looks at me, she goes, "I forget what she say." She says something like, "You know, I love your playing. You're doing really good," or something like. She was oh, really sweet, you know. I was like, yeah, I was. It was nice though. It was like to turn around. She's like, "This is awesome." Like. So everything was good, and that was a moment. You see in the video where she turns around, I'm like, oh. <laughs> We're going to be friends. <laughs> I'm doing good. <laughs> but you know what? Maybe the whole Joe Walsh experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, but all that. I mean, it all came to that. Yeah, I right? feel like everything in my life really happened exactly when it was supposed to happen. Because, as I said, if I would have been a younger kid and somebody would have done that, oh, man. I would have been so mad for you doing that to me, but I was older and I was like, "Yeah, what? You want slower? Let's go slower." Sure, sure. <laughs> I do this with Joe all the time. You want to fast? We can yeah. pick it up. It, that doesn't embarrass me. I mean, really, serving the song, serving the music, whatever, whatever. You works. are the artist. Yeah. I'm here to support you, and that's why I work. Uh, honestly, I mean, and Tris told me that a long time ago when I was insecure about some drum fill. You know, you know, he said. He's like, you can always go to the hot dog stand. And I told, him that, I told him that the other day. I told that the other day. He's like, I said that? I'm like, yeah, you told me that as a kid. Because he's like, any of those fills, Vinny Caliuta, Dave Weckl, dude, the hardest fill in the world, You can if you spent eight hours a day and a week, you will have it. You will know how to play that fill. It doesn't matter how hard it is. You know, I mean, really. But feel, groove, time, you will not learn that in a week. You will not learn that. That is not a fill. And that thank you for saying that. That is why I work with the people I work because I I play for the song. I'm here to support you. And it's not about my drum fill. It's not about like sure if you give me that moment and I do something cool, great. But ninety five percent of the time is that singer and I that's who the people I work with. I'm not a jazz group or anything. It's not is supporting them. You know? And with Stevie, I have learned that like she is out there. She is giving her all. All the pressure is pretty much on her yeah. or any singer yeah. who's standing there and commanding that. And for you to like, hey, when that moment comes and they stop singing, you're going to lead them into something. Don't play something so tricky that it. she doesn't know where to. She doesn't feel comfortable. Like, this is where the one is. Set it up so Give she, it to her. Yeah, yeah. So it's on a platter. Sure. She's like, yeah. oh, I'm going to hit the one. Like, yes. Uh. And that is the secret to working. Like, play for the song. You know, uh, and so Tris told me that at a young age at that at that party, I think maybe no, actually maybe it was like a baked potato or something, but he just I just felt really insecure, like I didn't know all these fills and all these like, dude, that can all be learned anytime. Groove, time, feel, study that, work it, 
that will that will keep you working. You so. know what? You know what? Why I say this is good validation, not only for me but for Michael, because Michael's a groove player also. Because when I was seventeen, and I'll share, I I I, I seldom share this, but this is a good uh, opportunity for me to piggyback on what you said. No, I was seventeen, <coughs> been drumming for two years, and I wanted to be where you know those chops players yeah. were, right? Yeah. And so I was playing, I was jamming, and I was jamming with Filipino rock legends. And after that, we were having pizza, and one of the guitar players actually said, you know, this Paco guy, he's going to go places. I like the way he plays the drums and all that stuff. And my head was just getting bigger and bigger right. with all of that um, compliments. And then, like a switch, he goes, but you effing son of a bitch. If you keep playing the way you're playing, this will be the end of your career. Mm. And so I was like, everybody just kept quiet in the room and all eyes were on me, but in a negative way. And he goes, if this was a basketball game, I was in the paint. No one's guarding me. I was asking for the ball so I can do a simple layup. And all you did was dribble the ball all night long. Mm. Listen, wow. like what, like wow. like what Joe told. Yeah. Same thing. He said yeah. to me, "Listen, mm -hmm. if I'm playing, give me space." Yeah. Very true, and it's you know it's funny as a guitar player. Like that was one thing um, Joe would say about singing and guitar playing, and that he loved. Uh, they would talk about Keith Moon, how Keith Moon would do it, even though Keith Moon played fills everywhere, but. It was amazing how Keith could play fills on top of everything, but never really stepped on anybody. Yes, that's that's I think the only talent. Keith, that yeah. only Keith can really do that in that moment with, right. with the Who. But what Joe would say would be like, "So if I'm singing and I stop, you play the fill, and when I start singing, you stop the fill. Yes, and when I'm playing guitar, if I take a break, you play a fill, and then don't do it over the top of me." And then I would say, "But uh, but Joe, your your phrase ends like on the." and a four and then starts on beat three he's like yeah so play the play the fill on beat one and two i'm like yeah. but the down beats one he's like figure it out dude <laughs> figure it out and he's like it might be cool and it was right. such a different because he didn't think about drums landing on one da -doom, da -da -doom. he was thinking about conversation he's yeah. like no play on one two and then come really? in on yeah. three like what's like and so he really did force me to do that. And when we recorded together, he would always say, I don't want anything more than an eighth note. Ooh. And I'd be like, and the beat and the tempo's like at literally like 78. Uh. And you're like, you want me to record a song with no more than an eighth note for a fill? And I did it, dude. And it was very strange. Um, but it was a less, it, it was very difficult. I don't know. Um, but it's a good thing to. Yeah. To explore, you yeah. know, it doesn't have to be all that. And listening to, uh, you know, listening to the guys today on the way over, like uh, Tommy Taylor on on sale on the Christopher Cross album. I mean, come on, yeah. I mean that perfection. You know, I mean, right? really, he sounds so good on that record. So, anyway, what what know. drives sailing? Is it the guitar or the keyboard? Keyboard, right? Yeah, it's keyboard and guitar. And the drums very simple. Yeah, and then Lenny's playing percussion. Yeah. Yeah, and he has that little little woodblock part. Oh, yeah. I talked to Lenny the other day, and I said, man, 
I called him. I'm like, I'm just listening to Christopher Cross, and your parts are just the best. And he's like, you know, that was one of my favorite albums I ever did. Yeah. Was that album, that first record that won all the Grammys. Speaking of Lenny, Lenny played for Toto. Yeah, he played for everybody. Michael Jackson, right? you name Michael it. Jackson, yeah. Probably, probably the most recorded session percussionist, guy, yeah. percussionist ever. I would did, say. did you ever get to meet uh, Jeff Percaro? I did not, you know, and he was around because I went to music school in 91 and they were all, the baked potato was a big scene at that point. So I'd go down and see Lukather. Yeah. And I think Jeff was probably down there, but I never met him. Um, and uh, Carlos Vega. I mean, those oh. are two, two of those, those guys. And when Carlos passed away, I was like, Oh man, you know it's weird. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Who played? Who played on? Uh, uh, Rio Funk. Was it Carlos Vega on, on, on Rio Funk? Rio Funk is Lira Tenoy, right? No. Carlos Vega. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. GRP. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Vega, man. Carlos was like. You still go I to saw, the big I saw, Yeah. I, you know, I haven't been there in a while. and I We should go. <laughs> dude. Monday nights. And I tried to reach out to, like, um, somebody who knew Vinny. I'm like, can somebody, like, post when Vinny's playing, actually? Right. Because I would like to take, like, Dave Grohl or somebody to see him. Because I think Dave would Dave would freak out on that, I think. You they know? haven't seen They haven't met? You think? They probably know and probably. But I don't know if you've ever seen him live in his element when he's, like, no. in that thing that he does, like, in the jazz clubs and playing, like, you know like that fusion you, and stuff. You do, like, you it's do, eye-opening. You do know that uh, Vinny Kaliuta actually played on a Megadeth album, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you so, can play anything, dude. Right? It, it's, I mean, Vinny is probably, in my opinion, like, the best drummer in the world, just in terms of, like, can do anything, you know? And I wasn't a big fan of Vinny's all the way through... Until um, he got the gig with Sting, man. Yeah. And then Sting forced him to play two and four. Yes. And then, like, he started to become, for me personally, was just like more of a groove drummer. And then his time just got better and better and better. And then when he came out with that solo album, uh, and I told him this, and he says in the, in the liner notes, he's like, thanks to Jeff for defining it. I was like, and I cried. Like I literally, the day I wrote, I just started crying because it was the ultimate chops guy in the world. I mean, Vinny's considered like he can play anything. Black Page, you just name like Frank yeah. Zappa, all the stuff. Vinny Caliuta's giving the, homage to, yeah. Hey, giving to the guy, the ultimate non-chop guy. He's saying thanks for defining it. Like thanks to Jeff for defining it. And that, see, I get emotional. That to me is what it's all about. Yeah, you know. And I told Vinny that. When I saw, I saw we we did a thing together a long time ago, and uh, I just said, "Hey, dude, as a guy who's a simple drummer, I just want to say thank you for putting that in there because it gave like so much, not hope, but whatever. Just it really um, made me feel like, hey, I'm going down the right path, you know. And uh, he, he was he was a sweetheart, man. He's anyways. That you know was what, a cool moment. You know, um, out of curiosity, how does someone like you? And you've got a resume and credentials to back who you are up, okay? But how does someone like you go side by side with someone like Vinny Colayuta? What's the mindset? Stay out of the way. <laughs> Seriously, right? <laughs> no, yeah, I just, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, he's standing on stage watching me play, and it's just like, this is <sighs> painful. You know, I, I mean, I am insecure in those moments. But I just try and do what I do best. I'm not a, I'm not gonna like 
There's nothing I'm going to do that's going to make him be like, whoa, what'd you just do? Like, Vinny can do it all. So, I mean, but for me, I can say, you know what, man? I do know my groove is strong, and I know it feels great, and I'm I'm in your lane with you on that. So that's what I'm going to do, and I'm just going to play musically. And if it's just Pat Boone, Debbie Boone, four times for this song, I'm playing Pat that. Boone, Debbie <laughs> Boone. <laughs> yeah. You know? So that's it. <sighs> Come on. And I think that... For me, that's um, that's all I do, you know, and I think that's why once again I keep working and I don't, I don't try and stray from that too much, you know, because I've learned. For one, I'm not really that interested in the other stuff. Even when I was in school, when I tried to force myself to be like Dave Weckl and Vinny, I'm like, I don't want to. This is boring to me. Like trying to figure out all this stuff and <laughs> like you learn it and it's cool and it's nice to have and it's cool to impress people with. But at the end of the day, where do you use it? I'm playing Gypsy. (laughs) 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 I'm like, it better feel great. Stevie better be dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that will get you fired. Wadi would literally fire me. Yeah, that'd be bad. So, okay, (laughs) now. Drew Hester has to take care of Drew Hester because you can't be relying on all these big acts because they're they're, they're taking care of themselves at the end of the day. Right. Okay. Your vest. Let's talk about that. Oh, yeah. Company. What made you? There you go. Can can we see it? There you go. MIP. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Modern Illumination Productions. A long name. My Is wife and the other guy named it. I'm like, let's not name it that because modern illumination is just such a long word. But anyways, yeah, it's a uh, production company. My wife and this other guy started in 2012, and I was the third guy in. <laughs> put up the put up the money, kind of. Be the good credit guy. You're right. So, so that was that. So that's what I do now on the side, kind of, but whatever, but full-time, just with uh, – there's, you know, Stevie's been down for a while. So, um, as I say, I played with Jonathan at church some, play around, um, a little session work here and there. Um, but, yeah. But the business but the business part, um, yeah. was that a natural process, you, do you think? No. Ooh. You, well, here's the weird, well, here's the weird thing. So, when I was a kid, I loved um, audio. So, yeah. I mean, I mixed um, some stuff with Taylor and uh, – you know, I love audio engineering, so I love being in recording studios. Big time fan. Uh, so that always interested me. And then I love lighting. So when I was in high school, even junior high, I'd always be in the theater doing lights, focusing lights, do all the plays, rewiring lighting consoles. So it's really weird. I have this like tech side of me and artistic side that. When you were on tour, would you would you see what the oh, LED yeah. was doing? Oh, dude, I'll go out and talk to the guys. <laughs> Opening band, like an art lighting designer, uh, Chris Lowe, who was with Stevie. Um, so, yeah, oh, for sure. I'm talking with audio <laughs> engineers. I'm talking with lighting guys. Like, I'm not a dressing room meeting somebody. No, I'm like, I want to be all the crew guys. And I I love it. And I just want to learn about it more and be a better uh, person and company for it. Um, it's competitive being in L.A. And, uh, I, and I, enjoy the, I enjoy the process of growing the company, like that challenge of yeah. like, hey, I want to not – Bigger necessarily, even though sure, yeah, I want quality. Be, yeah, quality. I want to be like, man, that company. That's, right, right. They're badass, man. Like, great stuff. The guys are good. Qu- the gear is nice. 
So I like that challenge and I like it. And I just kind of, I, I wanted to get into it because I felt like there's only so many years yeah. these artists that I work with and I've always been the youngest in the band, you know, most of the time besides the Foo Fighters and Jewel and Beck and stuff. But um, most of the artists I've worked with are, you know, Chicago, Stevie, Joe. Um, they're older than I am. So I just felt like, hey, they're in their 70s. I'm 52. I need something else to do because right. it, it, you know, I don't see her going past 80, you know, 78 maybe. Stevie said maybe. I mean, Mick did it pretty well. Yeah. But we'll see how long she goes. But I will finish my career with her and keep going and then, you know, have the company and whatever. And at that time, I'll be 60. And, you know, for me, I didn't want to be a freelance drummer right. at 60. I mean, I mean, you having know? to put the, the fate of your family in someone else's hands. Yeah, it's tough. And I and I will say, like, for me, I was like, no, I want to have a little more control of that, especially having a daughter. If I was single, great, dude. Let, let's do it. I'm good. I'll just be hanging out studios right now. I could teach some drum lessons, make it work. So um, you're either working or with the family. Yeah, pretty much right now. That's about it. Now, with regard to um, MIP, are you guys just catering to the big acts or even the no. up-and-comings? No, up-and-comings. We're not big enough to cater to the big acts yet. I mean, I hope we are one day. Um, and the reason why I ask, because it would be nice to have people like you who are really from the mainstream industry. Mm. This is more, the way I see your company, it's like you have the credentials to actually make an up-and-coming band look and feel big. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Right? Yeah, I mean, we do. I mean, I mean, we just did. We did Megan the Stallion. She's pretty huge. We did the festival, the uh, I Am Beautiful Festival, or the Beautiful Day Festival one out in Vegas, and we did Bottle Rock. Um, so, I mean, we do some bigger shows, um, but we don't get those clients just – well, I can't say it. I guess we got hurt. So, whatever. We do get some of those clients, um, but right now our focus is mostly, uh, like, medium-sized, smaller tours and mostly in corporate – and stuff like that you know mm -hmm. we do we got a ton of gigs come up for super bowl um and so what do you know, guys do live events live events post productions uh yeah no. and we mostly do live events like corporate events experiential stuff tours that's pretty much it so and what uh, do you do how do i mean <laughs> so we do we do it all so you it's like we're pretty much turnkey so you, it's like from yes. on the lighting you say i want to have this i want to do this big giant corporate event uh Whatever. With a video wall, with a yeah, LED, LED yeah, wall. Yeah, this, and moving lights, yeah. and I want smoke to come out, and, like, we can do it all. So we do the labor, we design it for you, we put it together. We can do that. You can rent gear from us. You can do – there's a million things. And when I took over the company, so there's the guy, Jonathan, who did it for, um, for two years, and then he left, and then I took over. And once I took over, we were kind of more like decor lighting, like pretty, like, balloon yes. lights. Yes. And I was like, no, I want, like, rock tour moving lights, and I want audio. So we went heavily in that direction once I took over, and um, and that's what we are now. So we do, we do a lot, and we work with churches, a decent amount of churches, which is new I for was gonna, us. I was gonna, yeah, yeah. We just started last year, kind of um, working with churches, and it's been great, man. I love it because I know a lot of the people in that yeah. world, um, and I'm comfortable there, and uh, I think, you know, they trust me, and um, because I think churches can be a little bit taken advantage of you know especially yes. bigger churches with yes. av companies like yes. well hey man you got the money here here it is like yeah like, wow so i'm i just don't believe that so whatever anyways but are you are you um like okay with this focus on mip 
do you think that you'll do more of this? Or if Stevie calls? Oh, no, Stevie, I'm gone. I'm with her. So I will What's the conversation like between you and your wife? She knows. She's cool. I mean, the thing is, the company's big enough. We have 10 employees that I don't really need to, like, I don't have to be there. But so many people see me still as the face of the company. Like, <laughs> Where's, is Drew coming down? Or is he going to be here? Like, <laughs> and I'm like, look, at this point, Ramel or Corey or any of the guys I have here, they know more about what you want than I do. You're just used to seeing me because it was a one-man show forever. So, like, this guy can actually, like, rig that and program it and design it. Like, I can just kind of, like get you there but at the end of the day he's gonna do it so i'm trying to get it to where they understand that and um and all of our stuff is cloud-based so it makes it super easy oh. if i'm on the road yeah they just oh yeah here i can i can do something real quick and literally the shop is seeing it in la shops prepping a tour or whatever or whatever like it's literally that quick wow so it's pretty cool the cloud-based thing changed all that in terms of travel and being covid now so many people work from home anyways you know um but we're still at the office um we're we're staying busy, so it's I'm very blessed and um and I I like it and but no when Stevie calls I'll You're be with, I'll be with Stevie because is your is your mom and dad still around? My yeah the, yeah my mom lives in uh, Laguna remarried and my dad uh, lives in New Orleans. What do they say about you? Oh I don't know. I'm so proud of him. Seriously, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know. Uh, they come to my shows. My dad, when I was in uh, New Orleans, he came with his partner, and they came to the show, and they loved it. And they so they've seen me with like Chicago and Stevie Nicks, and there's probably more up there alley too. Yeah, you know? I was gonna like, ask. Wow, yeah, man, it's cool. My son's playing all these songs I grew up with. Yes. you know. So, um, I'm sure they they enjoy it. You know, uh, I don't when, know when when you started playing drums, were you encouraged or discouraged by your parents? Uh, encouraged, but warned. Warned. So my parents were divorced uh, pretty early, so it was mostly my mom. And my mom's like, look, you can go for it, but it is hard, and I will not support you forever. So I will get you one year of schooling, and I'll get you enough money. And we were poor, dude. I don't know how my mom pulled it off. God bless her. But it's for real. Um, she said we, we sat down. We came up with, like, a, a budget per month, how much my rent would be, what gas would be back and forth to school, how many miles it was. And then if I need some food money and, you know, groceries and, you know, you're going to need to eat out here and there. And we like got it down to the penny and she gave me a monthly salary or monthly Allowance, thing every yeah. month. So I could go to school and not have a job because a lot of the other kids going to the music school at the time at Dick Grove school of music, they worked at night. So they could wood shed. So they could yeah. shit, dude. All I did was shed. I get there like seven in the morning, leave like at midnight, and all day just just playing. It's like, oh, it was the best year of my life in terms of growth. I, I never grew more than in that year. How know? about your brother? What did he do? He's a pilot for United Airlines. His big old my cousin's son. a pilot yeah. for United Airlines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, he had the uh, San Francisco to Beijing route forever. And, uh, but now his A three eight the the eight the the new one the no eight, he flew seven forty sevens but now he's uh, he wants to kind of like be home more and ah. so uh, his kids are grown but um, he's like kind of done traveling that much so he just flies domestically wow so, yeah if you so. were if you were to advise someone who's up and coming and someone who thinks they can conquer the world because you did it covertly. <laughs> You've been around the world. Yes. You've um, been with more artists than any of us in this room can probably dream of being with. 
you're blessed with a family. Even Hannah's birth yeah. was, was a blessing. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, what advice can you give people who are doubting themselves, especially in this environment we're in? I, w I mean, there's many times I doubted myself, but I think um, I never gave up hope, you know. Um, there was a quote in a book from Hal Blaine that said, there are no winners, just losers that quit too soon. And, or are there, I'm oh, sorry, there are no losers, just winners that quit too soon. So I was like, don't give up, man, because you, you don't know. You, you might be so fed up with like, man, I've been grinding at this. I play clubs. I play all this stuff. I'm not getting the auditions I'm not getting. I quit. You know, I'm going to go get a job. I just can't do the, the grind anymore, you know. Um, and you don't know that, hey, Jason Freeze, you're but and it might not be an audition. All my gigs that I've gotten pretty much have been from my friends being on the gig and them recommending me in the moment and then them calling me. So that's what happened. And I think you, you can't see that happening when you're in that moment feeling discouraged. You feel like, man, I just you know, I'm tired of the, the grind. And, um, and so I really would say that, you know, there are no losers, just winners that quit too soon. And I would just keep going, like, just go to, I mean, I was homeless, dude. I was like, now granted I was doing drugs and alcohol and that was a stupid thing. And I didn't, I didn't get a professional gig till I got sober. So lesson there, you know, may, may, yeah. maybe I would have had a gig five years before that, right. you know, maybe I would have been, I wasted a lot of money on that stuff, you know, just partying as a kid. Um, but I always believed where I was supposed to be, where I was was at, and uh, and I thank God for for getting me out of that Amen. rut, you know. Um, but I, it sounds so cliche, you know. Don't give up, um, but it's true, and it's it's hard to get out of your out of yourself and looking at that despair, um, and to try and see things a little bit outside of that box of how bad oh. it is. You know, yeah. and trying, hey, there's more, there's more going on around me than just me, you know, <sighs> like, hey, my friend Jason's, he's got a good gig and my friend Larry or Susie or whoever it is, they're working and think like, hmm, maybe I'll get that call. Maybe they'll call me. And you know what? Maybe I should reach out to him and say, hey, you want to go get lunch? And, and what my friend told me one time, he's like, Victor and Drizzo like amazing drummer works all the time. He said, I, if I were you, dude, I wouldn't call guys and say, Hey man, are you hear any gigs available? People don't want to hear that. No. You know, now if you call a guy and say, Hey man, want to get a cup of coffee? Let's go there talk. You go. That's all you and need. just talk. Yeah. You don't have to say, you don't need to say that you're looking for work. You don't, they know you're home. You're having coffee. Guess what you're not doing. You're not touring or you're not playing. They, they know. They know. And, and so if you just have a good time, don't bring up work. Don't bring up your woe was me thing and just say, hey, man, great to see you. Uh, yeah, great. Awesome. Hey, man, see you soon. I've gotten calls. I've gotten two gigs from Victor just saying, like, call this guy because, hey, maybe we just talked and he's on. I'm on his radar. I think that's something people need to do is just reach out. Don't say, I'm out of work. You got anything? You're out of work. I don't want to hear you're out of work. You know, I want to hear, hey, bro, you want to get some coffee or let's get lunch, whatever it is. Or how are you? 
leave it at that. You're on their radar. Let them call you back. Um, and, and keep going with that because, uh, dude, I, it took me forever. I didn't get my first pro gig till I was 28. I've been doing it for 10 years, 10 years of clubs, five, six nights a week, you know, like it never ended, but I loved what I do. Yes. And at the end of the day, I love what I do. And I loved it so much that I was willing to live in my car for it. And I loved it so much that that still to me wasn't really an issue, you know, and I would have kept doing that until I made it. Um, so, and I don't know where everybody's low is, you know, your low can be different. Like people are like, I ain't living in a car dude for this. Well, okay. Dave Grohl one time we were, di we did a show and a woman came back and Dave was backstage and we just finished playing and she's like, Oh my, my, my son's a drummer and a songwriter too, you know, but how do I get him to make money? I mean, look what you've done. And he's like, and Dave looked at her and said, I can't give you any advice. I have no advice for you. I'm so sorry. She's like, what do you mean? Look what it was like. He goes, you don't understand. I was sleeping on a couch and I would still be sleeping on a couch, still playing drums and still writing songs today without any of this. Cause I love what I do love. And I think that's a difference between people sometimes that do make it. Hey, do you love what you do? Because dude, I can see drums and, and like, get them. I'm pretty emotional, but I mean, there's times I've been playing drums and started crying just like, yeah, man, Thank I you. am thankful. And like, wow, Amen. or the song is moving me. Yes. Like, man this is crazy and yes. like so you gotta love it and that will pull you through all those those slow times because uh you know i i think that's and you can come out of it and then i think too if you get those jobs have thick skin be an easygoing guy stay humble like don't get involved in the politics of all the crap that bands get involved with people saying rude things like hey you're a nobody or whatever it is because you get tied up in that too much, you're losing focus on, you know, what that is. Yeah. And um, why you were even there. Right. Yeah. Why you're there. And you're talented and you're supposed to be there. You know, you're a badass. You're here because you are good enough to do it. And there's a million other guys in line waiting for that. You know what I'm saying? We all know that, like, dude, anybody can go up <laughs> on stage and do what I do. You know? But it's I mean, you. It is me. Yeah. But it's me because guess what? I'm easygoing. I don't put any weird pressure on Stevie. I don't, you know, like act like a jerk. Be happy. I'm happy. I'm glad I'm there, you know, and, and so there's gratefulness, and gratefulness and perform your art, man, like play, play great. You know, you will get your opportunity and make sure when you get your opportunity, you're prepared. You know, so done. preparedness, meeting opportunity, you're the perfect example. Of right, that. right. There's some saying that goes like that, right? Yes, yeah. there is no... The definition of luck? <laughs> yeah, there's no luck. It's blah, blah, blah. It's preparedness, <laughs> meet, meeting opportunity. <laughs> Lesson learned, kids. Yeah, yeah so... Wow. But, um, Ladies and gentlemen, Drew Hester! Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Drew. Thank you. You are a blessing. Thank you, buddy. Now, who's this? Right? Who is this? I don't know. This is just a... Uh, that was cool. A music. You know what? You know what was so... That was elevator music. Oh, okay, cool. You know what was so fascinating <laughs> about what you said? Um...